Nav, welcome to the podcast. If you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your career so far and the project you're working on called The Washing Machine Project. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much for the invitation, having me on. I'm always really inspired by young and up-and-coming undergraduates and graduates um, doing really cool things. Um, Nav means new in Punjabi. uh, And I guess to begin with, I I started life um, as a very curious child. Uh, I would um, be taken to air shows with my father, who was an aerospace engineer at the time. I would uh, then come home, uh, go into the shed, take out the toolbox, and kind of just break everything in sight with with the tools I had (laughs) at my disposal. And um, yeah, I was was just interested to see how things worked. Mm -hmm. So that was... um, a really natural transition into engineering, which is all about how things work and and, and problem solving and fixing things and making things even better than they already are. Um, But what overlaid that was um, my father died when I was very young and uh, I was brought up by my mum, who um, uh, single-handedly raised me with my two sisters. So I knew from a very young age how important women were in the household. And so, you know, those two um, those two themes were always constantly running uh, throughout my life. And, you know, I studied uh, aerospace engineering uh, at university uh, here in London at Queen Mary. And um, the fun fact is I actually failed my first year. Oh, wow. Um, which uh, was because I really surrounded myself uh, with people that, I think distracted me, mm-hmm. uh, and I was a lot. There's a lot of blame on me for that as well. I managed to kind of uh, refocus myself, recenter myself, and you know, graduate one of the top of the class at the end of my my degree. I um, I um, joined one of the world's best graduate programs, um, a global technology leader that makes innovative products um, for people. um, That being Dyson. Dyson, exactly. Um, And uh, I was there for uh, almost three years. And um, I'm really interested to get into the details of how I got to the position at Dyson, because I think that's a whole other topic. But yeah, I mean... I realized that you know every bit of good engineering that I was doing was making a vacuum cleaner for a rich person. Mm-hmm. I was fed up of that, you know, and I wanted to uh, help people with my engineering. I wanted my engineering to have real life impact, uh, and I wanted to um, work uh, on long lasting solutions for people who, who don't have very much. So I decided to you know quit my job. Uh, and go work in South India for free uh, on a volunteer basis to make clean and efficient cookstoves. And, you know, coming from a South Asian family, uh, um, and maybe some of your listeners are from the South Asian background, you know, quitting your well-paid 
uh, job mm. to go work for free anywhere in the world is not a very good look. So, um, yeah, it, it wasn't a very happy household. My mum wasn't happy at all. Um, but yeah, I, I went to India for a year and a half and I had this amazing uh, experience and I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah, and then you started the washing machine project. Can you just tell us exactly what that is and, and why you started it? Because you know, I'm interested <coughs> when this idea of, you know, you joined Dyson, which is a very good company, and you were using your engineering skills there. But when did you come to the realisation? Was it at university or was it only there that you wanted to do something? Was it like a burning thing inside you that always existed or was it initiated by working for a corporate company? Yeah, I think um, I, I didn't know I needed to do that at the time. So I guess to your question about what is the washing machine project, to start off with, uh, when I was in India, I saw problems all over the place. You know, there wasn't um, running water continuously. It would only be switched on for 15 minutes a day at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. And I would never have water. I would always have to beg, borrow and steal uh, around me. And people uh, would run around trying to collect every bucket, pot, pan and bottle to fill up water for that day. So water anxiety was real. If you didn't have a generator, then, you know, um, there would be frequent blackouts, sometimes days on end. Uh, and then, you know, 40 degree heat, uh, that means no fans, no air conditioning. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to see, there's no lighting at, at night. So really difficult uh, uh, situations for some people. Uh, who didn't have the resources around me. And when I was in this village, um, you know, on a Monday we'd have an idea, Tuesday we would prototype this idea, Wednesday we would put the prototype in the field, and by Thursday we'd already get feedback as to how rubbish our cook stove really was. So, you know, by Friday we'd go back and come up with a new idea. So that kind of iterative learning was really important. And what it taught me was to be really close to your... And, and consumer. But the real um, eye-opening experience was uh, the friendship that I had with my next-door neighbour, uh, a lady called Divya, who was a kind of 30-something stay-at-home mum who uh, uh, whose everyday life was a struggle, you know. She used to spend hours and hours a day on unpaid labour, whether it was foraging for wood, standing in line for water, or or hand-washing her, her family's clothes. Uh, she spoke perfect English. My Tamil was absolutely rubbish. Um, and, yeah, we just became best friends. And she'd complain all the time about, you know, the effort it takes to do this unpaid labor. She wanted to work, but just didn't have the time. And so I asked her, I said, Divya, uh, why don't you have an electric washing machine? Why can't you just buy one? I'll buy you one. She's like, we don't have enough water. And, you know, we don't have a generator, so the electric machine you'll buy me is only going to work so often. Uh, and, and so that's when I promised her uh, a manual washing machine, and that's that's where the, the penny dropped for me. And that's when I knew that I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, um, uh, it was just that promise to Divya. Um, so, yeah, it was a combination of that frustration of wanting to do more outside of Dyson and then also meeting Divya to do. There's so much more that I could give 
to 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 society rather than just vacuum cleaners. No disrespect to yeah. to anyone making vacuum cleaners. Yeah, and I, I read that you identified a solution from a salad spinner. Which, yeah, which is a, a very interesting. How you sort of you know, have you used your background in engineering <coughs> to deliver good and. For young students listening, how can people start thinking about that <coughs> while at university? How they can actually, you know, alongside building a career, use what they're doing for good? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, the story is that we came, I came home back to back to, to London with this promise. I gathered a few friends of mine around my mum's kitchen table. There was a salad spinner in the corner of the the kitchen and we kind of said you know what if we could uh, operate um, the washing machine similar to how a, a salad spinner operates and, and yeah that's how the inspiration uh, came came uh, came out of of of, of that salad spinner uh, design um, and yeah it's to, to my advice to anyone who's starting out on a career is like really trying to understand what you want to do and how you want to make impact around on the, on the world and um, uh, there's so many problems around us and it's um, it's very kind of sometimes quite burdening to 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 figure out what you want to do first but you know there's a long career ahead of you uh, you have opportunity you can always change uh, and I think it's a really golden opportunity for you to learn and absorb as much information as possible. And my suggestion whenever I have talks like this is, you know, um, you don't have to fly to the ends of the earth to make impacts. Um, you probably walked across a homeless person today who probably needs your support. Um, instead of a ride-hailing app in London or a dating app in the UK, why don't you create a, an app? for someone trying to flee this Sudanese conflict right now uh, or um, someone, uh, a family to to access legal support um, fleeing Ukraine. Um, transferable skills, you don't need to go to the ends of the earth to do it and it can be, it can happen now. So uh, there's problems all, all around us. Yeah, in your journey in entrepreneurship, I'm really interested in the difference of... Um, Entrepreneurship uh, is sort of fueled by a desire to make money and grow in the corporate world versus one that is fueled by like good intentions and seeing a tangible impact that it's having. Do you think that's a more powerful thing for people when you're starting off? Because I think a lot of people get disincentivized from continuing on, on entrepreneurial journeys because they're not getting that immediate reward or that immediate payout. But for you, you're seeing day in, day out, you're your product doing good. Like, how, how is that that different fuel for entrepreneurship like influence you? Yeah, I think you, if you just look at all the successful case studies around the world, these aren't people that are obsessed with money. These are people that are obsessed with the problem, and that was one of the pieces of advice that I got very early on into my entrepreneurial journey. Is that you know you should fall in love with the problem because the solution will always change. You know, the problem will keep you up at night. Uh, uh, and the problem is what, what will fuel you, and that problem will never go. Uh, but the solution might change, um, um, as you can see with some of the most successful 
business people around the world, you know, the solution has changed significantly since they've they've started. So, yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride. I'm really excited to to see how it unfolds, and I'm so privileged that I get to lead a team who are amazing engineers, marketers, partnership specialists that you know want to do good and and create impact and. Ultimately, we are here to serve the people that struggle with this problem. And I'm so privileged that I get to wake up every day with this freedom in my step, knowing that you know we could impact millions of people around the world with, with the solutions that we're creating. Yeah, and obviously the motivation is there. And that's obviously a very, very incredible one. Um, but it does massively help when you get a shout-out like you did on, I saw on Russell Howard Hour. Um, I'm just curious how you know you were doing it already before before all that w- without the publicity that maybe you have now. What does it the day look like for you now that it, you know it's blown up and you're getting recognition from mm. the prime minister? You're going on BBC News. Obviously, you're getting a lot of reward from it now, and it's helping you to achieve your own definition of success. Mm. Um, yeah, how 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 did that all change your experience when you got shouted out? Shouted out? Yeah, I think uh, uh, it really like bigs up your ego. But I have a really good family around me that keeps me really humble. So you know, we have a new new. Um, uh, I have a nephew. My sister just had a baby in the last eighteen months, and you know, the the topic of the conversation isn't it the prime minister shouting out the washing machine project is whether. Kian has said a new word or not, you know, so it's a really humbling and grounding feeling when, you know, you have people around you that have been there before any of this recognition um, and just want to treat you like the person that you are. And these recognitions are great. They're amazing. And they enable us to, to develop and deploy even more machines. And long may that continue. Um, and, you know, with all of this stuff, it should be taken with a with a pinch of salt. Yeah, I saw you got written down that you tried to excel in new technical challenges by applying engineering, humanitarianism, communication and people skills. Mm. What does that actually look like in, in practice? Like, What does that actually mean? If, you, if you're applying all those different things, what's the product of it? Yeah, I think empathy is really important. I've been learning that a lot. Uh, you know, um, it's really interesting how people work and how people... Um, uh, come together um, to to towards one mission. People from all shapes and and backgrounds. And um, um, uh, there's this school of thought. It's not a culture fit. It's a culture ad. And I think that's very much the case. Um, you know, the United by one mission to alleviate the burden of backbreaking work. Um, so I try and um, be as kind of empathetic as possible so you know recently I learnt uh, not to ask someone how you are but like what did you have for breakfast this morning because how you are is an easy answer okay thanks okay bye you know like you move on very quickly but you know really trying to get to the core of, of people um, is really important especially in busy schedules um, so that's something that I've recently tried to adopt with my communication skills and I think uh, um, if anyone is an engineer and, and listening you know they're not really 
inherently good communicators. So uh, I I love people. I love um, communicating with people. So um, I, I studied engineering. So I, I love to bring those two two things together because I think you know you do have the power to help or hinder the the planet and and people in it. Uh, and it's your job uh, as an engineer to figure out what you want to do in your life. And I, when I first graduated, didn't know the effects of my engineering. And that wasn't uh, presented to me. Like, I didn't know that the graduate scheme that I was applying to for that defense company would ultimately lead me to develop a missile that would be used on civilians in another mm. country. And that's something that I know now. And I wish people applying for graduate schemes now know that, you know, what's the real impact of your uh, work that you're, you're doing. A quick ad break to talk about London tap water. Nellif, did you know one in five bladder cancer cases are caused by the tap water that we drink? I didn't know, but this is why we're proud to have Water2 as sponsors of the podcast. Water2 is a new water company serving the water in aluminium cans and via home filters called pods, which plug in under your tap to bring you bottled water on tap. Amazing, right? Backed by years of research at University College London, the tech behind the water is over a thousand times more powerful than our common Brita filter. It's a totally groundbreaking company. We recently had the founder, Charles, on the podcast, and we're both regular drinkers of water too. It's something we really live by. It's better for you, safer for you, and better for the environment. So to get your own pod, head over to water2.com. Health starts with hydration, and you deserve more than just hot water. Yeah, let's dive into your relationship with engineering then. You, you said at the start that from a very young age, you've always been interested in engineering. <coughs> and then you go to university, Queen's Mary's, and you said you're first, in your first year, would you say, you know, you're not actually doing well in that first year? Was that down to, like, losing passion in, in, in engineering or would you attribute, attribute it more to, you know, having the wrong guidance within that year? And how did you actually, you said that you managed to get on back back on track and graduate top of the year. How did you actually do that? Because yeah. for many students, you know, people go to university with a passion and it can, for many different reasons, it can fade and it can really be detrimental to your sense of self and your academic achievements. So, yeah, any advice on yeah. setting yourself back on the right track? Yeah, I was talking to someone about this just the other week. Um, when I was 18... Uh, I took out the the maximum loan possible, um, the maintenance. I don't know how much it is now, but mm-hmm. you know it's a few grand. And as an eighteen year old, I had no money, and then had, you know, a few grand to spend, and in one lump sum, I just, I just spent it on stupid things, you know, mm-hmm. and not not on what I needed to spend it on, yeah. for example. So you know, I often skipped uh, lectures, and you know just wasn't focused enough in that first year so it wasn't a lack of passion it was just a lack of focus I think um, and yeah just frivolous frivolous spending and um, uh, I, I paid off my student loan a few years back and uh, I was like oh my god like, <laughs> it must have felt good it felt good but I'm like why did I <laughs> take this like what did I spend it on like, yeah. it was such a waste uh, but it was a good learning curve for mm. me and I think <clears throat> what transpires is 
surrounding myself with good people who want the best for you, you know, that 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 love you, care for you, and hold you accountable. So if you're going to do that piece of work or you're going to go to that lecture or send, attend that seminar, you'll be there and they'll be waiting for you. Mm. Uh, and I think that's so important. And, you know, I recall, you know, uh, this is exam season right now. Uh, we're in April, and I can I can only imagine some of the students studying in 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 the libraries right now. And, and we used to do that. I I used to be prolific at studying in the library for twelve hours a day. But I would hold people's desks for them um, because the security used to kick us out after too much too much time in the library. And and you know it was a it's a team spirit, and I. And I think that was that's what helped me get through, and I, and I, I I'm so forever grateful for the, for the, uh, for the people that had around me, because without those people, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here, mm. here today, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have graduated. Yeah, creating that sense of accountability where there, where there is none compared to your school days or your parents telling you what to do. Like I think that's obviously a very important thing for students. And yeah. Now, I mean, you were part of big teams, I imagine, at Dyson and Land Rover where there was that accountability and there were targets to meet and you know goals to aspire to. But you're kind of, when you went into entrepreneurship full-time again with the washing machine project, that accountability then goes again, has to be put back on yourself. And you attributed a lot of your success to your team around you that you have now. How did you go around building that new team again, for, you know, not just your mates <coughs> at university holding you to account and building that team spirit, building that actual team spirit in a project that you're doing? I think, um, so last year, we publicised six positions at the Washing Machine Project full-time, and we got over a 1,000 applications oh. for these six positions. And as a, as a small, new organisation, you know, we only started in 2019, that's pretty good going. I mean, uh, we were really proud that so many people wanted to work for our organization. Um, but what was really important for us is finding the right people that you know believed in the mission, would go above and beyond, had the right skills and expertise, but had the right desire to learn. And it's that combination with also just being a nice person, empathetic, and really getting the issue that we're trying to solve was, you know, was the kind of key, key criteria. And, um, you know, there have been people in the past at the Washing Machine Project who haven't been the right fit and they've naturally just moved on and and that's that's been okay too. But try to to keep um, keep in contact and keep in touch with them and, and see how they're doing. We're, 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 you know, we'll be here for a long time to come, so I'm sure there'll be loads more people coming and going. Yeah, and on that, what is the the future aims of yeah. the Washing Machine Project? And also, you know, in achieving that, what does a good, successful day look like for you? Yeah, it's... it's um, I, I need to keep myself in check a bit because I speak to my family about this. I'm like, oh, we're not on the news. Why aren't we on the news? Yeah. And um, it feels a bit frustrating sometimes and feels like we've not achieved anything. But we have achieved Loads of things. There's so many things in the background, so many meetings, so many bits of development that no one sees. You know, everyone just sees that that news article or that partnership announcement, that distribution. But 
so much hard work goes on uh, on in the background. I have had had uh, so much uh, fun um, uh, developing this new product with the new en- with the engineers that we have and uh, uh, announcing new partnerships. So there's some really cool things happening in the future. Keep a lookout for that. Um, I saw recently one of them was with your old company Land Rover. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about about that and what how that's going to influence you going forwards. Yeah, so I actually quit my job twice. So one of them was with with Dyson going to India to make cookstoves. But when I came back um, to make uh, these washing machines, I started the washing machine project, uh, but couldn't take a salary to begin with. So I started a side job, so to speak, which is actually my full-time job. Side job at Land Rover. It's not bad, um, is it? <laughs> uh, um, which I was really grateful for uh, at, at Jaggy Land Rover. I was there for five and a half years. Um, and it was an incredible company with very nurturing people that really supported what the washing machine project does. Uh, but also what I did on the side of that was did a master's. So I went back to university to do a, a postgrad in humanitarianism at the University of Bath, which is also an incredible uh, experience. And I would, I'd really recommend if you want to kind of specialize in in a kind of an area or if you have real passion in something, then definitely, definitely try and do a master's if you, if you can. It, it kind of uh, gives you a bit more, uh, a bit more of an edge, I'd say. Yeah, well, what does actually going back to university when, you know, you don't have to, but a lot of people go to university straight out of school because, you know, partly they think that's what they're meant to do and, and that's the way to get into a career, right? But mm. then you're going back into education with a sort of a different goal, a different mission. You know, how, is, how did that affect your, your learnings or improve your learnings? Yeah, I guess that was a choice, you know, whereas when you're 18 especially if you're from my background, university isn't a choice. Like, you have to do it. Um, whereas uh, I had I had a job at Dyson. I'd already been there working for a few years. I'd already worked in India. You know, I'd had a job at Jaguar Land Rover at the time. Um, so it was a choice for me to do this master's. And it was actually really enjoyable. The, 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 the people that I was studying with were from all walks of life, you know, from students to... to to Lords and the House of Commons. So, yeah, a really cool experience that was. Yeah, and while you were at university for the first time, um, so it's maybe not something you talk about as much, but I find it interesting as a current student. Your whole time at university, you were working with WH Smiths as a customer service assistant yeah. in, a, in a sales role. Why did you think it was important to be working while at university? And why did you do it the whole way through, like, yeah, it's a, it's a very taxing thing to be doing alongside your studies, I imagine. Like. Yeah, that's such a good question. And, you know, I've probably done about 30 podcasts and no one's ever asked me <laughs> that. So that's a, that's a really good, good question. My mum taught me from a very young age that you need to work. I don't know why. I don't know what like drove her to do that. But maybe it's because of her, because she's been working since the age of 12. She's now 72 and just retired this month. Um, so wow. large, large span of years um, working. And so for me, as soon as I turned 16, she was like, Nav, you need to get a part-time job. I don't care where it is, but you need to get one. And and I landed uh, quite literally in Heathrow Airport at W. Smith on a Saturday, 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. was my shift. 
and uh, I loved it. If I could get paid now, the, what I got paid back then, I'd do it uh, in a heartbeat because um, it was such a great um, experience meeting people from all walks of life uh, and the, you could really tell how people react and, 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 and act when they're really stressed because everyone's stressed when they, when they travel. And that's what really taught me how to communicate with people. Mm. Um, as especially high stress situations um so importance of work for my mom uh loving the job uh, uh and there's really funny instances that sometimes i didn't have a friday night would sleep in by eight or sometimes i, I, I would i would uh, uh be awake the whole whole night so yeah w smith was a really great experience yeah and you i mean i don't know if this is related but you said Earlier in the podcast about actually landing that graduate job with Dyson. Yeah. Yeah. You know, alongside your WH Smith studies, uh, so work, you did Olympic uh, work for the Olympics, yeah. having your own, st- running your own store essentially at, at a very young age. It seemed. Yeah. Um, how how did you leverage those things, even though they're not related to engineering, to actually help you get a job with Dyson? Yeah, and actually, you know, when I graduated and got the job at Dyson, I did. I worked at W. Smith at the same time well. for a few months, six months, I think. And I was working six days a week. So large parts of my early, early, early years, age 16 to uh, probably, you know, right up until 23, I was working six days a week on something or another, mm. you know. Um, and so I, I, you know, when when we have to put extra hours in now at the washing machine, it's, it's easy because, yeah. you know, one... It, you know, this is my passion project that's now become this amazing thing. And two, you know, we've been doing this our whole lives. Um, but yeah, 2012 was when the Olympics came to, to London and I applied and, and uh, applied for a team lead role. And yeah, I managed to uh, work along along next to the Olympic Stadium, got to see some really cool uh, events. Uh, but yeah, again, really good people that I met, and uh, uh, it was a real camaraderie and a collaborative spirit. Yeah, and, and then with the actual story of getting the Dyson role, like, what was that? You know, how did that process work? I mean, you know, every a lot of people would have been on your engineering course mm. at other good universities like yourself. But how did you stand out? Yeah, and just on that, by the way. Um, I was the most average student uh, there was. Like, um, I didn't have an internship. I didn't do a year in industry. I had really no experience in engineering when I graduated. Um, And uh, I just uh, pounded the job ads and I sent my CV everywhere. Mm. I would try and meet up with anyone who was willing to listen to me. I would speak to recruiters, I would uh, go to uh, grad affairs, I would go to every careers service in every single university, in every single society in in the country. Uh, And I think I applied for a thousand roles at the time and got a few interviews and got two job offers and one of them was was Dyson and I chose it. But what I didn't know at the time was um, the company that I was applying to was that aligned to my beliefs? Um, you know, I was applying to um, um, missile companies um, and looking at that, 
looking back at that now, I'm like, that's that's not me. So why would I have applied? And it's just because they have the fanciest stands and the grad uh, yeah. fairs, or you know, they get free pizza away, um, and and that's it. You know, there's. And what I would really like for anyone listening to this mm. podcast is really think about what you truly want to do in your life and where you want to make impact. Um, and, and don't be afraid to, to, to say, actually, no, I don't want to apply for this role. I want to apply for this role. Um, and, uh, yeah, that would, be, uh, that, that would be my advice. Yeah, and obviously, you know, as a podcast, we're trying to do our own bit and having real conversations with people like yourself and, and demonstrating the various different ways that you could take your career and, and just opening your horizons. Because I feel like, you know, while you were at university, you said you attended all these different things and, and only two job offers came from it. How would you, you know, reflecting on your experience, how, what would you like to have been improved about your career service and, <coughs> and, and how, how the people above you and the people that influence <coughs> you could have taken a more active role or better helped you in securing the right yeah. start your career. Yeah, I guess I'm learning this right now uh, on this journey of being a founder and CEO, but I really value mentors uh, mm. and, and people that inspire me that are five to ten years ahead of me that I can speak to on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis with some of my key challenges in different areas of my life, whether it's mental health, relationships, work, um, money, and and ask them to give me advice and I wish I had really strong mentors when I was picking and choosing what I wanted to do earlier on in, in, in my career. I mean, I'm so thankful for my experience at Dyson because it led to uh, making cook stoves and then ultimately led to what I'm doing now um, and I wouldn't change it, that for the world. Mm. Um, I'm just saying for anyone out there who's who's a bit confused about what they want to do, a mentor um, five or ten years ahead of you that you are inspired by would really help. Um, and the practical way of doing that is using uh, social media channels like LinkedIn, mm. um, which are really powerful tools where you could, you know, reach out to anyone really uh, and and ask them to help you. In your career, you've had a lot of different moments where, so you're working at, at one job and doing something else at the same time be it working at Dyson and then doing volunteering at the same time or doing your studies and doing WHF stuff at the same time and then most recently working at Land Rover and then going full-time with the washing machine project. Mm. When did you know and how did you know it was time to make that step? Because it's a very daunting thing for a lot of people to make that change. Yeah, and I guess... If you follow the the Gary Vaynerchuk hustle, hustle, hustle mentality, uh, they would say, quit your job now and just go for broke. But actually, um, even Gary Vaynerchuk has, has said, you know, probably that's not the best way forward for everyone. And um, it's, it, it's irresponsible to do that if you have responsibilities, you have bills to pay, and you, you know people relying on you and and my 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 th- my advice to anyone that's working on their own thing or wants to have an idea is do it but have something in the background that is going to sustain you and work on it 
um, to the point where you just impo- you can't work on uh, on both things at the same time. Like it's physically impossible, and th- that's what happened uh, with me. Um, um, you know, I was working eighty hours a week, just uh, forty hours at JLR, forty hours at the washing machine project, and and it was just like. I was being put into impossible situations mm-hmm. all the time where, you know, I would have to attend a really important work, uh, a of a call, uh, but the BBC wanted to interview me. Or I'd have to... I'd be invited on a BBC radio show uh, and I'd uh, have to choose between going to a lunch call with Jagalandrova. And it was like... I imagine you were getting burnt out and, you yeah. know, you probably weren't being the best at either one. Yeah, I was laying everyone down and I was miserable and and uh, but that was a slow mm. gradual uh uptake and uh, I knew that the timing was financially right as well because you know at the time I had a few employees uh and you know the, the runway was looking okay and and I, I just spoke to my family they they knew that I was just burnt out and yeah it's been about a year now since that and I'm so happy that we're we're here and so lucky so privileged that I get to do this every single day. Yeah, I'm interested from a personal experience that while doing my studies, I mean I know everybody has to apply for jobs and do interviews and has a lot of things they have to do outside of their studies, which you know is is difficult uh, and for me. I'm doing this podcast and building my startup and when I finish my exams which I will soon and when you quit your job and started full time with the washing machine project you now have all the time in the world to designate to that mm. how do you make sure you're as efficient as possible when that switch happens and how do you adapt as quickly as possible Yeah, for me it was the fear the fear that I have to pay salaries mm. and um, the fear that I have to make payroll for six other, seven other people um, that have literally um, given up everything to work with you, you know. Uh, for me, that that's a real uh, leveller to make sure that I am at least trying to be the best that I can be for the washing machine project. Um you know, and and trying to remain focused. So there's going to be so many opportunities that push you and pull you away from your path. And you need to stay laser focused with what you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean that with startups comes headwinds and you have to be agile and you need to change with them. I'm not saying that, but the core of what you do has to has to remain the same um, and you know what you have to ask yourself every single day am I doing the right thing for the the organisation and the way that this was told to me was if you're flying from Heathrow to New York at five degrees off the 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 flight path you'll end up in like Canada or the Antarctic but um, you constantly have to look back and correct yourself so it's not you know, it's not uh, an easy thing, but reflection is really important too. Yeah, you talk, talk about uh, travelling a lot yeah. as part of your your job now, um, and a lot of it back to where you where your your roots are. And how is working 
you know within your your family heritage and and on something that means a lot to your family how has that influenced your motivations because i mean for, i think for a lot of people that isn't apparent and and they don't even know how they would do that yeah. especially when you're based in the uk but you know how rewarding has it been how influential has it been on on your work yeah so i mean traveled a lot uh last year 27 countries wow um and uh, this year's going to be a really exciting year ahead. Um, really lucky that I get to speak to people and work with people that we are trying to help and support and learn from these people, which is really important. I'm really conscious and aware that, you know, we're developing solutions in the UK for people uh, around the world. And that's sometimes really problematic. So we spend a lot of time in the field trying to understand user behavior and, 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 and feed that back into our design. Mm. Uh, and it's a very proud thing um, to do that. Uh, you know, I come from a culture where, you know, we we give back. Um, there's this phenomenon called seva, uh, which is selfless service. And I've always believed that um, you're measured with how much you give to the world, not, not how much you take, take from it. And I, and I think that's... That's what drives me every single day. Yeah, and this probably isn't a question that many people would ask, but I, I'm genuinely curious, given that you're in the space of charitable work and, and giving back, what is your, your thoughts on, on charity as a whole, whole and, and, and big corporations? Because, you know, obviously all, you can't question that all of them have the right intentions mm-hmm. and they're doing the right things, but you've obviously taken this desire to get back into your own hands and start a company and you know exactly what you're doing is having this effect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're living in a really interesting time right now. Uh, there's a imminent glo- global climate crisis. Um, you know, there's a polarised um, polarized world. Uh, there are uh, conflicts popping off in different parts of the world and you know it's, it's it seems very doom and gloom but you have to just look about 100 years ago and see how bad the the, the, the world was then you know women didn't have the, the right to vote there was slavery um, still around you know um, so much so much worse we were back then than we are now so I think that's really important to have perspective but there's still so much that we could uh, we can work on together to make the world uh, a better place. Now, when I uh, when I see the these these issues that that, that that come up, you know this the polarized nature of politics and uh, communication. Social media is a really good example where the algorithm pushes people on you that are more like you, mm. and I think that's really problematic because you need to be with and talking to people that oppose your opinion to then come up with some sort of mutual agreement. And I think that's what's really missing uh, right now. So, yeah, I really try and uh, surround myself with not not just people that agree with you, but challenge your, your, your way of thinking uh, uh, as well. Yeah, a question we like to ask all our guests that come on here, and it'll be particularly interesting for you given that you, know, you started on this journey out of university with this big corporate job, and and for a lot of people that would be like the pinnacle of success, working for Dyson or Land Rover. But now you're doing what you're doing. 
how has your idea of success transitioned from your thoughts on it when you first graduated from the university and your thoughts on it now? Yeah, so uh, just to build on your question about my views on, on, on charity, um, because of these kind of unfolding um, themes that are going on, you know, the, the climate crisis, the polarised nature of the world, conflict, etc., um, there's a there's a massive push for these sustainable development goals by 2030. You probably have seen them. Um and everyone, every corporate, every charity, every academic institution is striving to to be net zero, to to reach some of these sustainable development goals. And now, this has created such a massive space to try and give back through charitable means. The Washing Machine Project uh, is a social enterprise, which means there's a for-profit element to it. We also have a, a charitable foundation. Associated, so we leverage both because profit isn't a, a dirty word, and you know you meet any of these refugees uh, in any camp around the world. Uh, they don't want sympathy; they want empathy, and they want opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they want equitable solutions, uh, uh, and 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 they don't mind paying for it if they can afford it. If you're making the right solution, I think that's really important. Sustainable interventions now. Um, this space has created really innovative collaborations, and we're uh, a, a fruit of that. And, you know, um, we have flagship partners like the RS Group have chosen the Washing Machine Projects Foundation um, as their global charity partner mm -hmm. to to strive towards their sustainable development goals and to create impact. So I think there's a lot of good that can come out of it, but there's also, you know, some yeah, some instances where that's been exploited. That's one thing. And then the second thing is, you know, COVID has really taught us that we're all mortal. And um, um, everyone uh, has realised that in one way, shape or form, they want to give back. So you saw a rise in charitable giving mm -hmm. during COVID, people wanting to help more. Uh, and I think that's been really cool to, to see because it's a reminder that, you know, we're all here for a very finite period of of time and you know why why not give back as much as you can uh, going forwards yeah and, that, and that, that's amazing and I'm, I'm curious how with that knowledge that you have now and, and these insights on your actual idea of success what what does you know if, if you could look in 10 years and be like oh okay this is if i've achieved this I'm successful, what would it be? Yeah, I'll tell you a story. You know, on my first few weeks, months of Dyson, I would, um, you know, on Teams, you have this org chart, and I'd, like, count how many steps am I away from a CEO uh, at Dyson. And I, was, I think it was, like, six steps. There's six people above me. And I used to be obsessed with, like, trying to manoeuvre myself and get the next promotion and uh, try and, um, like, I, I, I want it, my my version of success would be to just stay at Dyson for the rest of my life. And I'm so glad that I had the realisation that I did when I did to try and something, something new. Otherwise, I'd still be there. And I know friends that are in different organisations around the world that are so frustrated at what they're doing and are just stuck. Uh, and that's where you see people just quit their job and go traveling mm. 
it's not a midlife crisis. It's, it's because they've been feeling like this for their whole lives. Um, so my advice, looking back to myself, would be to find something that you're passionate about because because that's the thing that's going to be easy to, to work on um, for the rest of your life. You know, not 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 something that you have to do. Um, um, and, and and my version of success uh, is um, legacy. You know, leaving leaving uh, the world better than you found it, as the scouts say. <laughs> yeah, and in this new season of the Guide to God, we have so many amazing people with such amazing advice to give, and we want to, by the end of the season, have built this you know really profound piece of advice by asking each person at the end to give a piece of advice to suggest to the next guest. Yeah. And on the last episode, we had Sam Horby, uh, founder of Old Sam, and as an entrepreneur and just anyone in their career, his main piece of advice was to enjoy the ride. Yeah. So I, w- I want to hear your, your thoughts on, on that, and then also if you could propose a new piece of advice for the next guest to build on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really clear that... Um, really enjoying the mm. ride that I'm on and you know just this week has been really great and it's not going to be like this all the time uh, there's been some really tough moments some moments where you know I can't sleep because there's so many problems left right and centre mm. uh, and yeah that's a really good reminder and thank you <laughs> to your previous guest I guess my my piece of advice to your next guest is to in- to fall in love with the problem because the solution will always change, you know, uh, and that will keep you focused and grounded, you know. Um, yeah, I hope that helps. Yeah, and I really want to thank you for coming on today. It's been it's been amazing. It's been a bit of a different episode to the ones we've done before, where obviously everybody has a career, but and everybody wants to do good. But you've gone and, and taken this in your own hands, and and I, I think what you're doing is incredible, really. And for me. I, you know, I'm very conscious of how important you know water is just for the world in every way, be it drinking or or washing clothes. It, like making sure everybody has equal availability to that could solve a whole range of problems. So I'm really excited to see what you can guys can do in the future. So cheers. Thank you very much.